Man, isn't it wonderful that we get to serve the great I am? If you're new to the church, and uh, maybe this is your first time, or uh, just new to uh, an Assemblies of God church, there's in your seat back a booklet called Naturally Supernatural. Uh, so Gina this morning, if you don't know who Gina is, you're new to the church, she came over and just felt like she had a word to share as it relates to freedom and the chains that bind us. Uh, so that's what you saw here this morning. We believe the Spirit of God is alive and well and speaking to his church today. It wasn't just for the first century, but it's for now. And so we encourage people and, uh, to pursue the Spirit. What is God speaking to the church today? So that's what you were seeing this morning. If you're curious about that, you're welcome to take that book at home with you and to look at the passages of Scripture we look at in the New Testament, New Testament to confirm that. New Testament, that's a new word. I'll let you dwell on that one for a little bit. We finished our summer series, The Resistance, The Church and Its Mission, with an understanding that we are called to engage the world as the church. We're not to build walls to keep people out. We're not to stick our heads in the sand like an ostrich, ignoring what's going on around us. But we're called as the church to be out in the world, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the world. And so no better way to do that than to examine who Jesus is so that we can bring his presence with us as we go. So we've been looking at the seven I am statements located in the New Testament book of John. He says, I am the door. Jesus is the door that leads to a relationship that we can only find in him. He's the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. He is the bread of life, the resurrection and the life, and the way, the truth, and the life. This is what we talked about last week. And so in application of these messages, we had action points. We found we can be the door by serving as advocates for those caught up in modern-day slavery. We can be the good shepherd by laying down our lives, our preferences for the sake of others. And we can be the bread of life by caring for orphans. We can be the resurrection and the life by serving people on a Sunday morning. And last week we talked about how we can fulfill the way, the truth, and the life by serving as a disciple maker. But here's the thing we need to understand this morning. As we've walked through these messages, you might be thinking, and I would be too, depending on your context, this is impossible. I can never hope to fulfill all these things. And so let me tell you, you're right. You could never hope to do all of these I am statements in Christ, not by yourself at least. There's no way by yourself you can serve the world compassionately, courageously as an advocate for the oppressed and marginalized, making disciples of all nations. And the I am statement we're going to dive into this morning, it helps us understand that. And what we find in this I am statement, that I am the true vine, that's where we're headed today. It's the one that makes all the others possible. Out of this I am statement we're going to examine in John chapter 15, here's what we'll discover. To engage the world, you must abide. Very simple, not complicated. If you've been here for the last nine months, you may have heard something similar before. But what I'd like to share this morning from this passage, I'm not sure that many of you have thought about as it relates to abiding and and I want to share that with you. So I'm going to invite you to read these verses along with me. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I invite you to turn with me to, to John chapter 15. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 11. I'm also going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word, simply out of reverence for the fact that God gave us his word. The things I share, of course, I seek the Lord and ask, Lord, what would you have me share? But it doesn't have the same authority 
as God's word. So we always want to revere that as well. So John 15, verses 1 to 11. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my, fa- <clears throat> in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my job may be joyful in you. And these are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So what we find in these verses, the first is this, that to engage the world, you must abide in Jesus because he is our lifeline. Shelly and I have talked a good bit about abiding, but I'd like to bring some clarity to the goal of abiding. That's not something I've really addressed. Abiding very simply means to remain or to stay as you look back to the Greek the New Testament is written in. This is what the word abide means. To remain in the presence of Jesus, to meditate on his word, to remain in a state of prayer and worship, to remain in the mindset of Christ all day long. Similar to the psalmist's admonition, I love this, be still and know that I am God. You know, in this hurried world we live in, How often do we take time for this? But we must, so that we can have Jesus' presence with us. When we abide, we come to Jesus without agenda. This is important. We listen carefully, allowing his still, small voice to speak to us and let him get to us. And as we do this, may he, Jesus, he may rearrange our attitudes. Oh, Lord Jesus, sometimes we need attitude readjustments, right? Right? If you're not sure, ask your spouse. He may convict us. He may bring us to a place of repentance. He may change our hearts and strengthen us, prepare us for what's to come. How many know Jesus can prepare us for what we're going to head into? This happens in abiding. He may provide directions or pour out an enabling upon us. But none of these will happen if we don't place ourselves in the still mode, in the mode of remaining in the presence of Jesus. So here it is. The goal of abiding is the presence of Jesus. You have to get that. His presence is our lifeline. He as our true vine is what feeds our very souls. If we separate ourselves from him, we experience a drying out, a shriveling up. This is what Jesus shares in verse 6. This is what he's talking about. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Branches aren't forced to abide. They just do. We're we're not forced to spend daily time with Jesus. We're not. He longs for that time with you, but he can't force us to do it. 
But if we don't, we will become so dry that we wind up separated from the vine. We'll simply fall off. Can't tell you how many times I've seen that. And usually someone who's been gone from the church a little while, they come back around. And I ask them that question. So, have you been spending time with Jesus? No. Of course, I'm never surprised because that's what happens. We can't expect to not spend time with him and for there not to be results where we're separated from him. It's just what happens. If we as the branches become disconnected from the true vine, we cannot receive the nutrients required for spiritual vitality in life. From verse 5, Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. There's a secret to abiding. I don't think I've shared this either. So the goal of abiding is the presence of Jesus. And here's the secret to abiding. Discipline becomes desire, which results in delight. If you never practice the discipline of abiding, you will never get to the place of desiring abiding, and you will never experience the delight of Jesus. It has to start with the discipline. So I'm not saying when you wake up, it's going to be some joyful, oh, I'm so glad I'm up early this morning. It's not going to be that immediately, but I'm telling you that's what it becomes. You have to believe me in that. If you do not create the discipline of abiding, you'll miss that desire and his delight. Abiding is not legalism. It's not dry discipline. It's not manufactured spirituality, but joyous soaking in the presence of Jesus. Spending time with the one from whom all life flows. If you're not in the habit of abiding, start with 30 minutes a day. Could you take 30 minutes in your morning to do that? Read a chapter a day from the Bible. Start in Matthew and work your way through the New Testament. After you read that chapter, just spend time in prayer. If you're not sure how to pray, take a prayer guide from your seat back. It walks you through daily prayers. So we want to come alongside you and help you abide, but you have to abide yourself. We cannot engage the world without abiding in Jesus. His presence is necessary for life change. So to engage the world, you must abide because people change when they experience the presence of Jesus. Abiding could include reading your Bible, could include journaling or prayer, might include scripture memorization or, or reading books from old dead guys and old dead, dead, dead gals. That's a hard phrase. Say that a few times. Uh, like A.W. Tozer's Pursuit of God. I love some of these books. C.S. Lewis, Corey Tin Boom, wonderful books that can lead you to who Jesus is. But here's what's really important to understand. These things in and of themselves will not make you more like Jesus. The only thing that will make you more like Christ is Jesus. And if you're not getting Jesus when you abide, then you become like the Pharisees who diligently searched the scriptures, thinking by them they would have life. How many do that? How many read the Bible and think, just by reading the Bible, I will have life? And yet they failed to come to Christ, Jesus says. They thought the Bible would give them life, not Jesus would give them life. Jesus tried to explain that all the scriptures were pointing to him. He mentions this, and they missed the whole point. The point of your Bible is not that you will know good truths, but that you will know the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We talked about this last week. The, the goal of all of our life is to get Jesus, to have him. That's our goal, to lead people to Jesus so they, that they can know him. 
The goal of abiding is his presence. The goal of our life is to simply have Jesus. That's it, very simply. As we engage the world, people don't simply need to encounter us acting like Jesus. Although this is good, you could act like Jesus, but that's not enough. Their greatest need isn't for us to be Jesus to them. Don't mistake me on that, which at best is a shadow of the real thing. What your coworkers, your friends, your family, your spouse needs most is to encounter Jesus themselves. The hearts of those who have yet to know Jesus, they're longing for him. They might not know it yet, and that's usually the case, or be able to articulate this need, but their hearts long to be reconnected with their creator. This is why it's vital for us to daily linger in his presence. If we haven't lingered in his presence, we can't bring his presence to those who need it. Catch that. If we're not seeking his presence when we abide, how do we expect to take his presence with us? It's got to be much more than I'm just a good Christian. It's got to be I'm taking the presence of Jesus with me as I go. It's impossible to take people where you haven't gone. You've never experienced the tangible, real presence of Jesus. I challenge you to abide with the goal of simply being with him. Wake up tomorrow. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate the word into your life. Then pray and ask Jesus to make himself real to you. We must abide to experience the presence of Jesus and know his love for us, a love that compels us to engage the world. To engage the world, we must abide because our doing comes from knowing God's love. This is so important. The goal of our prayer time as we abide is that the Spirit would reveal the truths of God through Jesus to our hearts. That's why we pray. That we would love Jesus as we pray, cling to Jesus as we pray, and would have a hope that the Father would reveal more of Jesus as we pray. Jesus shares in verse 9 from our passage. I love it in three different translations. I want to emphasize this. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. And the New Living Translation says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. And from the message, I've loved you the way my Father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. Isn't that a wonderful word picture? May you make yourselves at home in the love of God. Last week as Shelley was baptizing uh, Lori, she made the statement, and it's so important for you to get this. When Jesus When God looks at you, when God is looking at you, what he is seeing is exactly what God spoke over Jesus at his baptism. This is my son, this is my daughter, in whom I'm well pleased. Not for anything that you have done, but simply for who you are. We had a message shared at the beginning of the service, and I felt like it applied here. It says, the Spirit is emphasizing who are you and who am I. You have to remember who you are. You're a son, you're a daughter of the king. And as you remember that, as you remain in the love of the Father, then you can be equipped to do what he wants you to do. When you abide, as you experience the presence of Jesus, you're making yourself at home in the love he holds for you. You're remaining in his love. To abide is to remain in the love of Jesus. And as you do this, you experience rest for your soul. How many people know they need rest for their souls? 
So one of my goals this morning is to link several passages of Scripture to help you more holistically understand what's going on as you abide. Understanding from John 15, as we abide in Jesus, the true vine, from Psalm 46, we should be still before God, and from 1 Kings 19, we can hear his still, small voice. And now from Matthew 11, Jesus shares. Here's what he says in Matthew chapter 11. He says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. We're familiar with that passage, but I think we don't necessarily always understand the context of that passage. Because what happens is you continue reading. So this is the end of chapter 11. You keep reading into chapter 12. Again, the the early Bible, there would have been no chapter demarcations. It just would have flowed right on through. And so in chapter 12, there's a story of the disciples. They're plucking the heads off of grain. And the religious teachers begin asking, Jesus, why is it your disciples are working on the Sabbath? And here's what Jesus says. He engages them in conversation and eventually relates to them The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is all about rest. Rest for your soul. And Jesus says, come to me. Remain in me. Find your Sabbath rest in me. As you rest in his presence, you see Jesus work through your life. You can experience Sabbath rest every day as you take time to abide in him. He works through you as a courageous, compassionate disciple-maker. You abide, you experience the presence of Jesus, are confident in his love for you, experience rest and pray, asking things according to his name. This is what it means to abide. You soak in his presence, you understand his love for you, and you begin to pray and saying, Jesus, I believe in your name, these things will come to pass. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, in the life. This is from last week in, in chapter 14. So I'm going to link chapter 14 and 15 here. Because when you continue reading this chapter in chapter 14, here's what it says I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. Which, when you think about what Jesus did, that's amazing. But he goes further, and even greater works. How incredible, because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. What's interesting in this passage is Jesus doesn't say, pray in my name, and I will answer it. He says, I will do it. Pay attention to the wording here. So often our default in prayer is simply to ask for prayer requests, but in these verses, God is more concerned that we ask Jesus to work for us. Ask for anything in my name and I will do it, Jesus says. What Jesus is saying is, I want you to ask for stuff that requires me to show up in your life and by my spirit, work. And then we have in John 15, the passage we read this morning, so I want you to see the full picture. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Ask for anything in my name, I will do it. Abide in me, because if you don't, you can do nothing. So what Jesus is saying, in your prayer life, your abiding time. It's about getting Jesus to live his life through you. That's what it means to abide. God, send Jesus to me. That should be your request. Holy Spirit, make Jesus known to my heart. Empower me to live a new life. When you pray, you aren't just making prayer requests that are sent off to God. When you pray, Jesus dwells in you and he works through you. 
This is why you must pray. Jesus is the hope, the power, the means to be him. He's the source, our true vine. And if you live this way, if you abide this way, you'll see Jesus work through you to engage the world. But it all starts with abiding. That's exactly what I'd like us to do this morning. You know, one of the practices of the early church was to take communion regularly. They did this because of the belief that Jesus was in their midst when they took communion. Not in some magical way, but in a special way for sure. His presence was the center of early worship. That's why communion became the center point of the early church for their gatherings. You see this in Acts 2. It said they came together and took in the Lord's Supper. Now, some denominations believe it's in something that's called transubstantiation, that the bread and the drink turn into the literal body and blood of Christ. We don't believe this, but the Bible does teach us Jesus abides in us in a special way when we take communion. It comes from a passage in Luke 24, where Jesus, he's after the resurrection, he's traveling with some guys on what's called the Emmaus Road. They don't know who Jesus is. They, they're not recognizing him, even though they knew about him. So they're traveling along. Jesus is talking about scripture, and Jesus is going to pretend like he's going to keep on going, but they ask him, won't you come stay with us in the village? It's late. So Jesus does. And so I'm going to pick up, this is in Luke chapter 24, verse 30. And it says, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. So the early church understood there's something special that happens in the breaking of bread that Jesus shows up in a special way. And it says, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told him what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Jesus can be known to you in the breaking of bread. So these early church communion was an opportunity to be in the presence of Jesus. And so this morning... There's communion stations, you may have seen them as you walked in, all around the church. There's one up here, two here, two in the back, one upstairs. And so what I want us to do as a corporate body is to abide and pursue the presence of Jesus together. And I'd like to do this here so as to compel you to pursue the presence of Jesus in your homes. If you've simply, for nine months as we talked about abiding very early back in January, been simply getting up to read your word, but without the mindset of, I need the presence of Jesus in my life today, I want that to change. I want you, as you wake up to abide, to say, Jesus, I need you today. I want your presence so I can take your presence with me into the world. So my hope, my desire, is for you to experience Jesus, that as you are still before him this morning, you experience God, as Elijah did at Mount Horeb. And I want to read this as our last scripture this morning. So Elijah, he's running, he's afraid, he needs God to show up in his life. He's on a mountain. Here's what it says in 1 Kings 19. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire... There was a sound of a gentle whisper, and God was in that gentle whisper. So that's what I want us to pursue this morning. As we take communion, as you abide, may you experience his presence, understand his love for you, that it may compel you to be and take his presence unto the world as we leave from this place. 
What I'm actually going to ask as well is if you've got elementary age kids and you'd like to invite them to be a part of this time, um, Shelly's going to go grab Nate and Haley, then I invite you to do that so you can grab your elementary age kids. They, uh, the leaders have been informed this is going to happen here this morning. And I also want to mention this because I know we've got a number of uh, international students here today. And if Christianity is not your religious background, please know we don't want to make you uncomfortable. Number one, you are welcome here. But number two, we're just going to take some time in communion. We don't want to co- coerce you to take communion, so please, please feel no pressure whatsoever. But I want us as a church body to experience the presence of the Lord today so that you can take and understand this is the goal of what I should be seeking in my home. Jesus isn't just here He can be at 2311 Archer Court where we live. He can be where your home is as you abide in him. And so we want to take time for that this morning. So we're just going to play some music in the background, and then the worship team is going to come back up and close us in song after we've had some time to abide. If you'd like to get your elementary age kids so you could have some family communion, please do that this morning. But otherwise, just sit and soak in his presence. Be still and know that he is God today.